Welcome back, all you lovely and wonderful people, to Spicier Than Therapy, the podcast where we talk about polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, neurodiversity, communication, kink, BDSM, and all of the wonderful, amazing things that we think go into making a happy and healthy relationship. Hello again, my name is Tear. Not with us today is my ineffable partner, Twin Peaks. She is not feeling well this week. So unfortunately, you do not get the added benefit of like 60% of what makes this podcast awesome, which is Twin. Um, but you do get me, which is something for today. And since I don't have Twin to ask this question, I will ask it of myself. So Tear, yes Tear, what are we going to try and do today? Same thing that we do every day, try to take over the interwebs. And again, we do it with greater or lesser success, uh, depending on the week. So it, it just kind of depends. But today we are going to jump back into one of my favorite topics that I am the most passionate about. And that is the kink community, the BDSM world. Now, if you've been following us this season, season two of our podcast, uh, we've gone over a lot of BDSM topics, right? It was kind of the general theme of season two, whereas season one was more about polyamory. Uh, season two is about more, more about BDSM. And obviously, you know, we had some other episodes in there that covered different topics, but it's kind of the overall theme, right? So on this season, we have talked about introductory concepts to BDSM, what the terminology is, what it's all about, and some red flags that we generally see. Then we got into what I think is the most important topic when talking about introduction introductions to BDSM, which is vetting and how to vet someone for a new dynamic, whether it be DS, MS, whatever it is. Then in what was my absolute favorite episode we've ever done on this podcast ever, we talked to Den Schaefer Smith about Old Guard and the gay leather community. That actually turned into a two-part series, uh, which I absolutely love. And if you haven't listened to that, do yourself a favor and go back and listen to those episodes. So good. I learned so much. And it's kind of on brand for what we're talking about today even though I've been in the BDSM and kink world for a long time, right? And even though I like to think I know what I'm doing in some scenarios, it is an ongoing learning and growth process. And that's with anything in life, right? Not just BDSM and kink, but also your personal life, your professional life, relationships. You never stop learning. You never stop growing. And I learned so much from that interview that we did on Old Guard and the gay leather community. But today's topic kind of feeds straight into that because today we are talking about mentoring or taking on a mentor within the BDSM and kink world. So welcome to BDSM 104 Mentoring. Now, what is a mentor? Hopefully you all know what that is, but in case that term is brand new to you, a mentor is someone who has experience 
with a specific topic, with a specific thing. It's basically like a trusted advisor that will help train you to become an expert in whatever that thing is as well. So think of it like a subject matter expert. So if we're talking about in the business world, you know, if you have never done mergers and acquisitions, you're not just going to jump right in there, hopefully, and start trying to negotiate a merger. You're going to get someone who has a little bit more experience and mostly positive experience, hopefully, and get them to teach you the ropes, right? Teach you what it's all about, tell you what's going on and train you how they do it. Now, to me, in my life, and if you follow me in TikTok, you've heard me say this a lot on my lives, having a mentor or mentors is an invaluable experience, right? It is an invaluable tool to add to your arsenal of personal growth and development. So whether we're talking about in your own personal life, whether we're talking about you know your business and professional life, everyone needs a mentor. Like I should put that on a fucking shirt or something, right? Everybody needs a mentor. And in my own personal advice, everybody needs multiple mentors because just like me, I'm very good at things. I'm not very good at everything. I'm very good at specific things. So if I'm mentoring someone, I'm going to teach them what I know what I'm good at, the way I do things. And they can kind of add that information into their tool belt and make it their own. Similarly, with having multiple mentors, there are a million different ways to do a thing, right? There are different perceptions, different backgrounds, different experiences. And I highly recommend that everyone gain as much experience and perspective as they can for multiple people. Now, this is especially true in the BDSM or kink world, because having a mentor is invaluable. It is such an open world. There are so many different types of relationships and dynamics and different ways of play that it's going to be hard for you to navigate initially. Like you absolutely should do some research on your own, but it's invaluable to have a mentor to help you assist with that, to help assist you with that. Right. And so I say this a bunch on my TikTok lives and even in some of my Instagram stuff, which is, you know, I cannot understate the importance of not only finding a mentor, but having them teach you, you know, the mental and cognitive aspects of what it means to be in a, a DS dynamic, what it means to be in the BDSM world, as well as some of the physical things, right? If it's your fit, first time picking up a flogger, everybody knows how to swing a stick. So, you know, you can, you can pretty much do that without too much help, but where and how much and how hard and where the force is actually greatest and all of these different aspects of picking up one thing are harder to learn on your own. Not impossible, but some of that real life application is more difficult to do unless you got somebody showing you the ropes, teaching you what is good, what works well, what hasn't worked well, and what you may need to look out for in the future. And so for me, in order to really know what you're doing, find a mentor. People come all up to me all the time, both in person and online. And they're like, hey, I am brand new to the BDSM and kink community. What should I do? What, where should I learn? Where should I start? And if you're a member of the Discord, you know exactly where I'm going to tell you to start. We have a whole bunch of pinned resources in the Kink channel on there. Uh, online resources, video tutorials, books. You all know how much I love books to get you started. But when I am mentoring someone, 
the first thing that I do actually is sit down with them and have conversations because not only am I vetting them to see if they will be a good mentee and if we would be a good compatible match, but are they in a place within their life where they're ready to take on a mentor, where they're willing to commit the time and the mental facilities to learning about all of this. So I sit down with them and I ask them why. Why do you want to be a part of the BDSM community, right? What is it you're looking to gain? What is it about the community that appeals to you? Because I'm really trying to find out what their motivation is for becoming a part of the BDSM world, whether they're wanting to be a dom or a sub or a switch or whatever, I need to know what they're looking to get out of it to see a, if I would be a good fit and if this would be a healthy thing for them to explore at this point in time, because you may have the want and the need to be a part of the community, but you may not be in a place in your life or, you know, kind of within your own personal world where you're ready to kind of dive into it yet. And that's okay. But without this conversation, we won't know. So, you know, I'll take my most recent mentee and I use the same strategy for almost all of them. I tweak it a little bit, uh, obviously, depending on the person, but I asked them, why do you want to be a dom? What is it about being a dom that is appealing to you? And what are you hoping to get out of it, right? And then once they were able to answer that question and give me a little bit of insight into who they were and where, and where they're going, I asked them about interpersonal relationships. Like, describe to me your three closest friends or confidants or coworkers or whatever. What type of relationship do you have? What type of dynamic do you have? Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? What are the ways in which you communicate? What are the ways in which you kind of um, collaborate with each other? You know, are there any aspects of that relationship that you wish were different? Are there any aspects of that relationship where you're having to cognitively correct them or set firm boundaries and enforce those boundaries? And that's that's difficult for someone. For some people, I mean, not you specifically, you know, people in general. Um, and then, you know, I like to kind of go down the, the line of, all right, what experience have you had? Uh, what have you, what have you been exposed to both, you know, on, uh, movies and media and books? What have you seen in real life? Have you gone to an event? What, what, what is it that draws you to it? And, you know, how much have you explored on your own already? And then I like to kind of transition that a little bit and talk about how they operate with themselves like what sort of standards do they hold themselves to uh in both their personal and their professional life like how do they specifically for a dom dom themselves you know because that's that's really a large part of what being a dominant is about being able to control and master oneself to an extent where then you can healthily also exert uh, you know, some Dom qualities and tendencies over someone else and help them get to be, uh, to be where they want to be, help them achieve their goals, their own personal growth and development. And really without a good, healthy, effective mentor, you may be missing out on some of those things. 
They can show you how to do things, but maybe not why you're doing something. They can show you, you know, how to crack a whip and where to <laughs> to strike someone on their body that will be effective but won't cause any sort of permanent harm or damage, but maybe not the actual kind of mental aspect of why that person wants it in the first place or why you even want to do it in the first place. And really, a mentor is there to help guide you down your own path. You don't have to do it the way your mentor does it. You can learn and take from their experience and really use that to shape your own personal style and your own personal brand of whatever it is you're doing, right? So at that point, I know a little bit about where they've been, what they've been exposed to, how they feel about themselves, how they operate with themselves, and how they structure their relationships with others. And it gives me some good insight into, will we be compatible in a mentor-mentee relationship? Am I going to be able to effectively help this person do and become what they want to be? And once I've kind of made that decision, we'll sit down and kind of talk about time commitments and what that looks like on their end and what that looks like on my end. And then I love jumping in to research. So I am one of those people that loves to just maddeningly research any topic that strikes my brain, right? I'm going to dive deep into the books, into the websites. I'm going to look at uh, clinical studies. I'm going to look at reviews, all that stuff. I'm going to assign that person homework and be like, hey, go check out some of these links. And when we meet next time, whether it's next week or next month or whatever, let's have a conversation. I want you to tell me about what you learned from this and how does that apply to what we're doing here, right? Because so much of what we do as DOMS within the BDSM world is cognitive in its approach, right? It's psychological in its approach. I've said this a hundred times and I will continue to say it. More than 80% of what we do as a DOM is cognitive, is psychological. And the remaining percentage is physical. So you really need to kind of study that about yourself and about others. And the fun thing to do, like this is a little sidebar aside, is to have a conversation with your mentee and be like, hey, what are the things that make you anxious? What are the things that give you pause so that they can kind of jump in and almost psychoanalyze themselves about some of the things that motivate them to make the decisions that they make. Just in general, it doesn't even have to be about BDSM specifically. Why do you do the things that you do? What drives you to behave in this manner, to make these sorts of decisions, or to seek out the things in your world that you seek out? And I think that's so, so important to us just as humans in general. But specifically in the BDSM world, it's also important because you got to know yourself. You got to know yourself and you have to be able to master yourself before you can ever hope to try and dom or master someone else. And so knowing what your own motivations are can kind of help guide you in that direction of what it means to be a part of the BDSM and kink world. And that can sometimes be scary for people, right? That can sometimes be overwhelming because we're not used to it. Only if you've gone to a lot of therapy or you have just a really, really healthy relationship with yourself, 
do many people really sit down and analyze who they are and why they do the things that they do. And this is the best part of having a mentor is they can guide you in that direction in kind of a safe manner. So fun little story time. This is actually a mentor that I had on the professional side when I was early in my pro career, not on the BDSM side. So I'll get into those stories later. But I was brand new to this specific industry and I was hungry to do well and to achieve and, you know, get to the goals that I wanted to reach. And I really thought I could do excellent at it. I was changing from one industry to another, you know, as people do sometimes when they go from their 20s into their 30s. And I had this leader, they were a C-level executive, and they kind of took me under their wing. We got along famously, and at one point, I asked her to mentor me because she was at, in her career, where I wanted to get to, right? And she did it in such a way that I really enjoyed. It wasn't cutthroat, it wasn't, you know, sneaky business uh, <laughs> and just shady practices. It was about people. And, you know, if you know me, that is one of my top two passions in my life is people, what makes them tick and how to be good to them and how, you know, how to interact well with people. And this person led in such a way as to not only inspire the people that worked for her, but motivate them to do better for themselves. Like we have this whole saying, right? There are ducks and there are eagles and you need both in the business world. And the ducks are content to just be ducks. They come in, they do their job, they do it well, and they go home. And that's excellent. But then you have your eagles. And the eagles, you know, again, they're ambitious and they want to fly high. But, you know, a lot of times they're very, very competitive. And so the saying she always used was, don't send your ducks to eagle school. They lack the motivation to try to do the things that the eagles want to do. Say, on the same token, uh, the eagles obviously are going to become annoyed by the ducks that lack that motivation to do more, to do better, to grow higher. Some people are very, very happy and content where they are at, where they are at, and that's wonderful. That's okay. You need both types of people in an organization. And this mentor had an absolute fucking talent for not only motivating people, even the ducks, but finding the eagles within her organization. So what she would do, we were talking about, you know, kind of it being scary to go outside of your comfort zone. She would, once she accepted me as a mentee, she would take me to C-level, you know, chief executive meetings. I had at this time zero business being in any of these meetings. <laughs> it is a room full of C-level executives. And she would just have me sit there and take notes. Like she introduced me at the first part of the meeting, you know, cause most of them didn't know me. It was a relatively, you know, mid to large size organization. And she would say, I just want you to sit in there and observe how these leaders move. How do they speak? How do they operate? And who holds the actual real power in this meeting? And it will change from meeting to meeting again, depending on the topic or the makeup of the people in the room. And, you know, I was nervous at first because I was like, oh shit, I am in a room full of everybody in my company that makes all of the decisions. What the fuck am I doing in here? But it was great. It gave me a lot of exposure to thinking differently, to not thinking like a line level employee, to start thinking like a leader, to start thinking like someone who is seeing the big picture 
and is able to scale that perspective up from the you know thousand foot foot point of view up to the ten thousand foot point of view. And so I go into the meeting and I sit there and I'm taking notes and I'm watching how everybody talks to each other and interact with each other. And then we come out of the meeting. This is the first time. And she goes, okay, how do you think that went? And I answered and she said, okay, did you notice how everybody talked to each other? Who held the power in that meeting? Who had ultimate say and control over decision-making abilities or decision-making powers in that meeting? I told her, she was like, okay, all right, that's very good. And then she explained some things that I had missed, but the scariest thing to me, and I'm rounding this back around to the, why it's good to have a mentor to safely guide you is she asked me, how did I do in that meeting? And, you know, again, I was like, oh, you did great. You know, it was, everything was awesome. And she was like, no, that's a bullshit answer. What could I have done better? You know that we went into this meeting to achieve this goal. How could I have more effectively relayed my message to the right people in order to get what we wanted in that? And I tell y'all, I was frozen fucking solid. I was like, I'm about to give my direct boss who holds decision-making uh, powers over whether I have a job tomorrow or not an answer on what she did wrong. And so I equivocated a bit, you know, I, I couched it in very PC language and she's like, ah, uh -uh, not what I want to hear. What could I have done better? And even though it was a scary proposition, I was able to answer that and tell her, and she was like, wonderful. You're going to go to every executive meeting with me. And I'm going to ask you after each one, that same question. So I want that to be at the top of your mind. And it, it scared me every time for like the first five meetings. Right. But after that, it became a really good mechanism for feedback. It got me less intimidated by giving direct uh, feedback and criticism to my boss. And it made me start changing my mindset. And this is the value of a good mentor. They can help you change your worldview and they can put you on a path to do better, think better, and act better in scenarios where you otherwise may be too intimidated or too nervous to do it on your own. So specifically in the BDSM and kink world, there's so much to explore, right? Like you're not going to just jump right into fire flogging. At least I sincerely hope not without some guidance and some practice and hopefully a lot, a lot of education and mentoring, but a mentor can help you get from point A to point B to point C all the way to Z because they're there to guide you with their experience, what they've learned and change your worldview a bit. And, and that is so, so invaluable when it comes to the BDSM and kink world. All right, so now we know why you should get a mentor. Hopefully I have expressed in good enough detail with a little fun anecdotal story why it's important for you to seek out a mentor in the BDSM world. So the next question you may have is, how in the hell do I do that? That's actually one of the questions, one of the top three questions I get the most, specifically about BDSM is, how do I find a mentor? What if I'm not a part of my local community yet? How do I find someone? And my answer to these people is always the same. I give them the, the initial outline that I just gave you. First, you need to sit down with yourself, right? And figure out why you want to be a part of this. Find your own motivations. Keep asking yourself why 
until you can no longer effectively ask yourself why anymore. So like, you're like, oh, I want to be a, a part of this world because it's appealing to me to, you know, restrain someone. Okay, why? Well, I like the idea of, you know, binding up someone's hand in a sexy way. Okay, why? And when you can no longer answer that why, more often than not, you are at the root of what that motivation is. And you can go forward with that root and say, this is the reason that I want to be a part of this community. Then once you have kind of sat with yourself, I want that person to go and do some online research first, right? Whether you like looking at videos, whether you like reading articles, whether you like talking to people online who are a part of the community, do some of your own research. I give people a reading list generally. So I start them off with uh, The Ritual of Dominance and Submission by David English. I think that is a great, great first book to start with for somebody that wants to be a dom, right? That wants to get involved in the lifestyle. It gives them a sneak peek into the mental game that is required for it and the mindset that is required for it. And then I make them read The Heart of Dominance uh, by Anton Fullman. <laughs> and um, then they come back to me, right? And I want a book report, goddammit. I want you to tell me what you took away from that. And does it resonate with you? Does it connect with you? If so, awesome. If not, all right, maybe this isn't for you and that's okay. Or maybe that specific style of DS dynamic and relationship isn't for you. And then when they've gone and done those two things, right, they've sat with themselves and analyzed their own motivations and they've done some online research, I have them go and connect with their local BDSM or King community. Really, that is where the real work starts. Now, I say that with a caveat, <laughs> and we've said it before in other uh, podcast episodes, but it bears repeating. Not every local BDSM and kink community is created equal. Some are good, some are bad, some are healthy, some are unhealthy, some are just better than others, and that's okay because it depends on what your personal preference is as you know, a communication method, as a practice method, events, non-events, things like that. And so go out and search out your local community. Now, I've had people give me feedback and they're like, I live in a rural area. There is no local community here, <laughs> to which my answer is always the same. Unfortunately, there's only so much you can do online and by yourself. Because much of this world is in person, and because many of these relationships, sure, they can start as long distance, but you need to kind of change it up and you need to meet in person at some point, you're going to need to at least try and integrate yourself with the local community. So if you live in a rural area, or if you live in a city that just doesn't have a healthy uh, BDSM community that you connect with, you're going to have to drive. You're going to have to travel to your next largest or local community that does have that good, healthy, communicative uh, uh, community that you want to be a part of. So I often tell the story, you know, last year in 2021, I lived in San Antonio and for being the seventh largest uh, city in the U.S., the BDSM and King community was relatively small. There were a couple of small groups and there was one, you know, small level event. And, you know, I would 
try to talk with the people in that. But it was also, you know, during the Panini press. So there's only so much you could do. So I would end up having to go to other large cities to uh, go to events and seek out other groups in the state of Texas. So I would go to Houston and I would go to Dallas, mostly Dallas. Um, so you may have to do the same thing, right? If you live in a small town without a community, you may have to drive to your next largest city and see what it's all about. Then once you get there, right, don't just jump straight into it. Go to a munch, go to a, a casual event or meetup and just sit down and talk to people. Ask them questions, ask them about their life, ask them about how the community operates, ask them about their experience. Don't just go and ask the first person you meet whether or not they will mentor you. You don't know if they are a healthy dom or sub or switch. You don't know if they're an unhealthy one. You don't know if they have the right experience in the areas that you're interested in. And really that compatibility is so key and so important. It's why when you are looking for a mentor, you should be vetting it in a similar manner that you would be vetting for a dom or a sub or a new dynamic, right? So you want to vet your mentors as well. And if you haven't listened to the vetting episode in season two of Spicier Than Therapy, I definitely, definitely urge you to go and do that now. Because what if the first person that you find and ask to be your mentor, uh, they're all into, you know, hard and heavy impact play. And all you want to do is some wax play. Neither one of you are wrong. You're just not compatible. So you integrate yourself into the local community. You sit down, you ask questions and you start going to some play events, right? Whether it's a dungeon or something else, even if it's an educational conference and find someone who is well respected within that community and has that those compatibility levels that you're looking for and watch them observe them talk to them talk to other people in the community about them how are they perceived are they well respected do they know what they're doing do they mentor people at all because some people don't and that's okay then once you've done that after you've gotten to know the community a bit after you've gotten to know the people and the specific person ask them approach them directly hey do you mentor people would you be interested in mentoring me and if so what does that look like and obviously, if they are a D-type worth their salt, they'll be vetting you as a potential mentee as well, at, at the same time, even, that you're vetting them as a mentor. So that's always how I recommend people who are new to the community approach finding a mentor within the community. So, you know, we've talked about why you need a mentor. We've talked about how to find a mentor but like what more do you as the potential mentee get out of that mentoring relationship well as we've talked a little bit about before you are going to gain key skills and understanding of a world in which you are new or even if you're not new uh, a specific part of the world that you have less experience in you're going to have access to information and advice from someone who is experienced in the things that you're interested in. 
And really, I cannot overstate that part enough, getting that advice and that information from someone. But also, it increases your knowledge and your self-confidence to have a clearer understanding of which direction you want to go in within the BDSM world and kind of what you're going to get out of those relationships. But it also teaches you skills to keep yourself and other people safe. Um, so, you know, while you're exploring what you like and what you don't like within the BDSM and kink world, you're going to discover some things that you may have a hand at that you're like, you know what? This is not for me. And that's okay. There are some forms of edge play that I don't prefer. doesn't mean I haven't done it. It just means I don't prefer it. But I'm going to be able to practice that safely without doing any permanent harm to myself or others. And that is so important because it helps you discover not only your likes and dislikes, but your strengths as a dom or as a sub or as a switch. And really, you know, keeping ourselves and others safe should be a primary goal, specifically within the BDSM world. But it's also going to teach you how to self-reflect, right? It's going to teach you how to self-analyze. And I do this all of the time. And so quick little story time aside, when I was mentoring, uh, or when I was a mentee under one of my initial mentors in the BDSM world, we would do that all the time. Uh, so after a scene, whether or not I was just observing a scene or assisting with a scene, co-doming, if you will, or if my mentor was just watching me, that sort of self-analysis and reflection happened almost immediately after every scene. There were some instances where they were um, a bit more time between when the scene ended and my mentor asked, okay, how did it go? What could you have done better? What went well? And even if it went amazing, what would you have changed? How would you have modified this? Now, one of the things that my mentor learned about me very, very early on is that I like to set up my BDSM and kink scenes like little rituals, right? And maybe it has to do with my, you know, pagan background. Who can know these things? Who can know anything at all, really? But they learned that I like to set these up like rituals, right? It was about aesthetic. It was about mood. It was about the overall feel of a scene and not just about the actions themselves. Because I wanted to create an atmosphere, a specific atmosphere around all of these things. So once my mentor found this out about me, they were like, hey, I kind of like this. This is different than the way I do it. And that's okay. But what sort of candles could you use to change that atmosphere? And so they would give me these little like mental stress tests about what would I do to change the feel? Like the, the, the scene itself would stay the same. Like, so say it was kind of an intermediate impact scene, right? And I wanted to keep all of the same actions, but I wanted the sub to feel something different. I wanted them to have a more heightened sense of anxiety and trepidation and nervousness and excitement what would i do to the setting to change that to increase that and it got me thinking a lot more thoughtfully about how i set up my little rituals right and uh it was it was a wonderful thing to have because not only was i thinking about the actual production of the scene itself 
and the execution, but I was also putting myself into the headspace and the mindset of either my sub or my partner, my scene partner at that time, and trying to establish how that would feel to be on the receiving end, what it would feel like to undergo the things that I was doing or the, you know, the, the scene that we were running. Now this happens a lot in certain types of MS dynamics where a lot of someone, uh, the people in training will actually, um, if they're a D type, they will go through sub training for a specific amount of time, whether it be a year or two or whatever, before they can even move on and do a lot of the doming. And that is also super helpful. That's not something that I did myself, but there's a lot of value in that, in being able to put yourself in a different mindset, a different perspective, and a different headspace so you can fully kind of vet out exactly how the other person or people are feeling and what you can do to change it if you want to tweak things slightly here and there. And without that mentor, I would not have thought to do that on my own. Or if I had, it would have taken me a lot longer to start thinking about those things. And I'm just so appreciative that when I was training, I under I had a mentor that understood that about me, that knew the way I like to do things and helped me be more successful more quickly than I would have been if I did it on my own. And really the final benefit that I think you get out of mentoring under someone um, is learning to improve your own goal setting for yourself, which in turn helps you improve goal setting for others. But, you know, it's easy for us to say, I want to do this, this, this in this amount of time, and I'm going to accomplish that. Excellent. That's great. And I hope you do. A mentor will not only help you to improve your efficacy in completing those goals, but they'll help you set more effective goals. Maybe they're incremental goals based on what they know about you. Maybe it's, you know, one big thing per year. And again, unless you really know someone well and you're kind of diving deep into the psychology behind why someone wants a thing, you may not be able to be as effective in goal setting. It's that whole work smarter, not harder thing. You could be busy as fuck and not really accomplish anything. Or you could create effective goals for yourself and work smarter in achieving those. Which brings me to my final couple of points here on mentoring. And hopefully you have enjoyed this episode of me just, you know, talking into the void and uh, not having Schwinn this week, but she will be back next week. And uh, we all know that she is the best part of this live uh, or <laughs> we all know she's the best part of this podcast. God damn it. I am so used to doing lives that like, I feel like I'm back on a live right now, but she's the best part of this podcast, uh, and the interactions that we have. But I get asked so often, specifically when I talk about mentoring, why do you recommend that a mentee learn about cognitive behavioral theory and operant conditioning when you're training someone? And the easy answer to that, and it's kind of a cheeky answer, is because this is the way I train. This is the way I mentor people, which kind of speaks more to the benefit of having multiple mentors, multiple pieces of uh, information and perspective and different backgrounds, right? Because cognitive behavioral therapy 
is important to me. It's something that I think everybody needs to learn. You may not agree. If you're part of the BDSM and kink lifestyle, you're like, nope, I don't think that's important at all. Excellent. That's great. It doesn't have to be my way. My way is not the only way. My way is not the right way. It just happens to be my way. The thing that I think is the most effective at this stage of mentoring people. And so somebody even jumped into one of my videos the other day and they're like, why would you start with cognitive behavioral therapy? So for me, because I am someone who has gone to years of therapy for my own personal stuff, right? To get through my own personal demons, I found it so effective for me at digging deep into the core of who I was as a person, why I do the things I do and how I interact with others. Like sometimes I would make decisions and I would understand them on a surface level. But when I dug a little bit deeper, I'm like, why did I do that? That's not really what I wanted. That's not really what's important to me. Yet I still did this action. And cognitive behavioral therapy is what helped me get to the core of those actions, get to the core of those decisions that I made. And I think this is important for any D, S, or switch type to know about themselves and about others. Now, what is cognitive behavioral therapy, right? It is a type of talk therapy, a type of psychological treatment that a lot of people use and a lot of therapists use um, for like to cover a range of different issues, uh, behavioral health issues, whether it be depression, anxiety, marital problems, eating disorders, everything. And it has been shown to lead to significant improvement in overall functioning and quality of life for people. And cognitive behavioral therapy is basically kind of built around three core principles, right? Or pillars that all psychological problems are based at least in part on faulty or unhealthy ways of thinking. Now, we talked a lot earlier in this episode about, you know, the ways in which we think, the ways in which we process and changing our mindset and our perspective to think differently. Cognitive behavioral therapy can help you do that. Second is that psychological problems are based in part on learned patterns or unhealthy behaviors. So not only unhealthy ways of thinking, but unhealthy ways of acting in a learned sense. So whether they are societally reinforced or part of our upbringing uh, from, you know, given to us by our parents or whomever raised us or the school system or whatever, patterns of behavior that are, can either be self-destructive or unhealthy in some form. And the third is that people suffering from some psychological problems can learn better ways of coping through cognitive behavioral therapy, relieving their symptoms and having an overall better quality of life. Now, if you're a part of the BDSM and kink world, those three things probably sound fairly familiar to you, right? Like if you've been in the lifestyle for any amount of time, you know that there are a certain subset of people that come into the kink world to process some of those issues that they're unable to process in other areas of their life, or they're doing it in conjunction with therapy to heal some of those things. So those three principles seem very, very familiar to those of us who've been in the BDSM and kink world for a long time. This is why I think cognitive behavioral therapy and understanding it 
is so important in being either a dom or a sub or a switch. You need to understand those things about yourself. You need to understand those things about others. So like, say you're getting a, a new sub and they're like, man, I'm really into this thing. Why are they really into that thing, right? It's going back to that whole thing we talked about earlier, asking why until you can no longer ask why and hopefully getting to the core or the root of that pattern of thinking or that pattern of behavior and trying to help achieve some sort of catharsis. Now, I will add a caveat in here. And I hate that I have to say this, but apparently, you know, some folks take it as when I'm mentioning this, that I am advocating for being a part of the BDSM and kink world as a replacement for therapy. Nothing could be less true. I am not saying that at all. In fact, there are certain types of subs that I won't take on while I'm vetting them based upon where they're at in their overall behavioral health journey. doesn't mean that they shouldn't be a part of the world. It just means that where I'm at, I'm not in here trying to be a replacement for therapy. That is not what I'm trying to achieve. I recommend everybody goes to get therapy. But if I didn't understand those concepts, if I didn't understand those principles, how would I be able to effectively give someone what they want and desire in a DS relationship? And as a Dom, how would I help them grow and evolve and change? And so to me, when you're mentoring under someone to not pay attention to the psychological and cerebral aspects of the BDSM world is a recipe for failure. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm not saying it can't be done in a healthy way. I'm just saying the likelihood that it can be done in a healthy way is much, much lower. And this is why I train people the way I train them. I want them to learn to recognize distortions in thinking of both themselves and their sub. I want them to gain a better understanding of their own behavior and other people's behaviors. I want them to be able to develop problem-solving skills to cope with difficult situations, whether they be large or small. And I want them to learn to develop a greater sense of confidence within their own abilities. So if I have somebody coming in and they don't want to pay attention to any of the psychological or cerebral aspects, and they don't want to study cognitive behavioral therapy or operant condition or any of that stuff, they're probably not the mentee for me, and I am probably not the mentor for them. And all of that is okay. I'm sure they can find another mentor that has a different take on that. And so the value of having multiple mentors, I'll say it again, I will just bang it into my listeners' ears until you take away <laughs> from this episode, that you should have multiple mentors, multiple perspectives, multiple ways to approach the same thing. So I appreciate you hanging out with me today solo in the spicier than therapy realm. And like I said, Twin will be back next week, but I really wanted to do this episode because mentoring is such a great part of the BDSM and kink community. And I think you would benefit from having a mentor. Even if you've been in the lifestyle for more than 10 years, 20, 30, whatever, you can always learn and grow from someone. So I want to leave you 
with three distinct thoughts. After covering all of these things about what a mentor is, what benefits you can gain from it, how you find a mentor, all that, I wanna leave you with three thoughts that I think are very important for your next step in the journey within this world. As you are training, you need to be able to face your own fears instead of avoiding them. You need to be able to look at them objectively, identify root causes, and then deal with them effectively and in a healthy manner. You need to be able to prepare yourself for problematic scenes or problematic behavior or problematic interactions with other people. And as a dom, you need to learn to calm your mind and help to calm the minds of others. Those are three very, very important principles for me as a dominant in the BDSM world. And those are the things that I am going to hammer home in the mind of anybody that mentees under me. Face your fears and don't avoid them. Prepare yourself for problematic people and situations and learn to calm your mind. If you take nothing else away from this podcast, remember those three things. All right. So thank you for joining me as I ramble on today. Since I don't have Twin here to do our traditional sign-off, I will do it instead. As always, go out and be good to yourselves today. Be good to others. Give yourself grace, love, and patience. And above all, go out and do some dope shit. Bye.